0: Hi friends, it's Abby Feeder, Certified Life and Fertility Coach, and you're listening to The Fertility Chick. This show is all about the paths of parenthood, which is never the same for everyone, and our guests' professional success along the way. We have such a treat today in the amazing Sabina Hitchin. Sabina is your girl that you want on your side and on your team if you're looking for any kind of amplification. She is a PR wizard, a story crafting master, and she of course has her own journey through infertility. Please give her some love. If you love this episode, go ahead and share it, like it, rate it, tag her, tag me. We want to know what you took away from it. And in the meantime, all my entrepreneur girls out there, you're going to love it. Here is Sabina.
1: Welcome Sabina. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited because it's funny, you know, you get to talk about a lot of things on podcasts, but this never talked about really anywhere besides, like we said, you it's like a story shared in the DMs, the audio messages, and the emails, sort of like once in silence, now sometimes behind the scenes. So, how great to have it in front of the scenes.
0: <laughs> I agree, obviously. And, you know, I think a lot of women in my orbit know and love you because we're entrepreneurs, fempreneurs, mompreneurs, but not a lot of them know that you had a fertility journey. So, Let's maybe start there and then we'll move into Yeah, Because I feel like I kept keeping the DL. Yeah. Yeah, Because people weren't, I mean, your daughter, I think, is a little bit older than my kids. She's about to turn five. Oh, so she's exactly the same age as my kids. Yeah. So, like, we were still in the trenches of not talking about anything at that time, (laughs) right? It's like only
1: now are we starting to talk about this. So, and then sometimes it's like easier to give it some time and then look back on it with a fresh lens, mostly to me, being like, Whoa! you did so much more than you realized you were like doing incapable of in that time. It was a lot, you know?
0: Well, that I think is a great place to start. What were you managing in that time? And what was your journey looking like? Well, so it's funny. I never
1: like, like many women, I was like, I never thought I'd have trouble getting pregnant. I feared getting like, I am raised by a Polish Catholic immigrant mom who like instilled like nothing but like waiting for marriage. And then like, which of course I know we can say whatever you want, right? Like, of course, of course. I wasn't going to do, but I was like, so terrified of getting pregnant my whole life it was like focused as a woman sexually and not getting pregnant. Right. And so right. I also did other things before think of marriage. Like I wanted to start a business. I wanted to do all these things. My mom didn't have me till her mid thirties and the seventies. So they never pushed that. They just wanted me to find my passion. So then when I finally Finally met the man, my husband, who I was like, oh, I waited for this. Then all of a sudden, things that I never cared about anymore, I started caring about like family and all those things. And I will still remember because it's like burned into my head. My dad's a doctor, so he always talks frankly to me about everything. And I remember him saying like, "Are you on birth control?" Because I was, I was at this point engaged. I was like a month before marriage. and He was like, "Make sure you're like," because he didn't know all what was going. He's like, "Just you want to start trying now? It might take you some time." And I was like, "Dad." It is going to take me like zero set. I do not want to be pregnant on my honeymoon. I will not start early. Like he encouraged me <laughs> probably months before getting married. He's like, at the time I was in my late thirties. He's like, you should probably be start. And I was like, if I can't have a cocktail at my wedding, dad, uh, I was so sure it'd never be a problem, but um, didn't get pregnant on my honeymoon. Right. Then you like think, oh, it's surely now that I'm like freestyle having sex. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm surely going to be pregnant. and then. At like six months passes, you're like, huh, well, you know, whatever. My sister's like on her second kid, then like you know, all of a sudden you start seeing everyone around you not dropping one, but dropping two kids. And then about a year and a half into us trying to have a kid, I started thinking, okay, maybe we should get get this checked out. And so it was at that point where I actually found out I had endometriosis, mm-hmm. which I didn't even know because nowhere in my entire 30-something years of being a woman and complaining about certain things and going to the doctor was it ever diagnosed or so that's only when i decided to like why am i not getting pretty it went to a reproductive endocrinologist who really gave me a full exam was she like number one you have endometriosis number two you have a grapefruit sized cyst on your ovary and so we have to get rid of that and then like and we'll go from there so like long story short that I'm like, you know, two and a half years at the point have no left follow, like nothing on my left side. Everything was gone. Like my tubes, my ovary and still me trying to get pregnant. And um, at this point, I've now acquired like the obligatory dog you get when you're like, well, now I want my dog. And it's like by three or three, I wanted my dog. Then my sister was like, everyone was having kids and everything. So my story ends with, I was about to like, we did a lot. We I didn't want to do IVF at that point. And then right, um, but I did everything. But, and then I, um, like my tubes were flushed. I was at the, like, I was at the point where I was about to give up and like give up, but like start looking for other options. Right. I was like, should we foster, should we adopt? My husband's older than me. So I was like, TikTok, And then we decided to go for IVF and right when I went for all my blood work to get going, they called me that night and they were like, are you on hormones? And I was like, no. And they're like, well, then we think you're pregnant. And I was like, what? This is like five, this point had been five years into my journey. And, um, they said, come in, we'll do the tests. Um, I, they ca- I came in, I was pregnant, but then they said, we think it's ectopic. Um, and then, then they said, okay, but that it's like so complex.' Like, so they said, I think it's, I've never told this story out loud to anyone besides like my girlfriends, and my family said, so I think it's ectopic. So we're just going to monitor it to see what happens. And again, can I point out to anyone on their fertility journey? It's like, you don't get to experience things the same way, right? Like it wasn't even that moment when I was like, oh my gosh, I get to tell my husband I'm pregnant in this fun way. I was like, had my dog bring over a pregnancy stick, but then I was like, but mm-hmm. no one thinks it's going to stick. One of my doctors says we should just eliminate the pregnancy before something happens to me. It was like that whole, and I decided I'm not, I'm going to see what happens. You know, they say to you, like, if you have crushing pain or excruciating pain, just call us, call an ambulance. And they sort of leave you with that. Yes. And so we monitored it with these like high scale monitoring, made sh- see if it was growing properly. And obviously it worked out in the end, wow. but it was like, it was wild. So much here. Okay. <laughs> let me rewind. I have like 8,000 yeah. questions. Okay. <laughs>
0: let me start by saying this is a safe space. And so whatever yeah. your preconceptions were about IVF, I really would love to talk to them and just know yeah. that like, yeah. You obviously decided to do it, but what was your hesitation? Was it more physical, emotional? Were you kind of like, I just don't want this to be my story? What did it it was on the
1: beginning? I was like, like, I want to prove something, like I can do this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like so much of our culture, even now, is tied to like, oh, and I wanted to have experience. Like, you watch all the rom-coms, my sister. Having gorgeous babies, right and left. I was like, I want to have the fun moment where I like watched all the YouTube pregnancy announcements so I could manifest and think of what my announcement would be. I love
0: that.
1: And then I was also a little scared. I was like, What is that? I can't even get like a blood test without freaking out. So I was a little scared. So a lot of hesitation, even in the flushing of my lone (laughs) fallopian tube that was left. I waited on that. I had a lot of fear physical pain all that stuff and i'm glad i finally got on board because i feel like i might not have been where i am right now
0: yeah yeah i think the universe was like ah i'm just kidding okay we will give you the baby i mean even seeing um, like
1: a legit like a like an endocrinologist who specializes i mean it was uh are we allowed to say business names
0: yeah totally like
1: i was going to dr luke who i still swear is my love. savior she is in new york city every and like she like, love
0: dr luke
1: right she to me, she was the one when they said like, this isn't going to take, she pulled me aside and she's like, I believe in this. Like she believes in a way that made me believe when I was, she, when she told me I had endometriosis, it wasn't like, you're out of luck. She's like, we're going to get rid of this. And that's we're what's amazing that about ovary, her. Yeah. Take out the flight and you're still going to have a baby. And I was like, I am, you know, yeah. then I was on yeah. board.
0: And how were you and Alex? Alex is your husband. How were mm-hmm. you guys faring during all of this? Like, in that 18 months where you were like, all of a sudden, this isn't working. Were you guys talking about the fact that it wasn't working? Or were you just like, okay, let's try again next month?
1: He, First of all, he's like incredible as a partner and a support. And so for us, I mean, I think he was, he was like, we're to practice all the time. Like he was loving it, right? He wasn't That's bothered by it. He was more worried about me. Because I think also men have less of like a worry about aging with, I mean, like he'd right. be like 90 and popping a baby. So he was like, Less and he'd, of course, test. He's like, My sperm is amazing. So then I was, it was more like me. And at the time, I didn't see the way it was affecting me. But now looking back, like I, we still now talk about the Thanksgiving after I lost, I mean, during this time, I lost a pregnancy during this time too. So, mm-hmm. which I somehow, of mentally have forgotten to mention. So I, things of course, I've never really talked about. So that happened too. And then I threw a Thanksgiving a month later at our house and wondered. Why I was like an emotional, me- I was mm. the most unhinged hostess. Like everything made me emotional or upset. Thinking, oh my gosh, like I just like lost a pregnancy, had a DNC, and then hosted mm. Thanksgiving like three weeks later. So looking back, I was pretty much like on the surface trying to do everything, run my business, be great, but then also like emotionally, it was hard.
0: Mm. Were you masking it intentionally, or were you, or were you just like adrenaline was carrying you through for for your and business? I talked-
1: I feel like first business is good and bad, right? Like entrepreneurship, because you it can consume you so much that you don't have to think of everything else. So I definitely probably leaned in harder to my business, said things like, I remember a conversation I had with my mom at a wedding when I was like, you know, I don't even need kids. I'm gonna be this woman who goes to France whenever she wants with her husband, like so-and-so and, so-and-so and so my friends and like who needs kids? So I think there is a lot of that, right? You don't wanna admit to yourself that you want something that you might not get. Mm-hmm. So I started like working a lot, a lot, which was great for business. But like, eventually even Alex was like pushing me to pursue medical intervention mm. because I kn- we knew we wanted a family and I was in this avoidance space of like fear and the fear of it failing, right? Like, I think the reason I've bonded so well with people we talk, like Jessica Abel and all these people who connected us were because they understood that in a way that like other people, like, and you, There's a lot of fear wrapped up in that as well. But like the Mm -hmm. physical fears, the like, you know, fears of what people think, all that stuff.
0: I think my husband and I used to say, when people would say, do you guys want kids? And we'd be like, yeah, we really want them. But if we don't end up having them, we know we'll have an amazing life together. And we both knew that that was true but both knew mm-hmm. we were bullshitting each other and everybody mm-hmm. else, right and then until yes. and then when we wanted them we were like well that was total bullshit why did we even say that and now, and you know then we went through six years of infertility we, but and, we
1: said that too right because yeah. it also it becomes like a tagline also because deflecting to me another yeah. hard part that i forgot until we're talking about it because i do feel like you have like shove that part aside and also yeah. life just sort of moves on but like the having to go to things more and more like the beginning, like the first couple of years of trying, everyone's like, whatever they have more sex. Mm -hmm. But then you like showing up at events and weddings and the things. And they either ask you the the questions as if you're not trying or like you have those, you just have your messaging down. So you mm-hmm. could like deflect and move on because it's a totally. lot.
0: And were you and Alex on the same page of, with your messaging? Or were you kind of like, oh, yeah. we were just got <laughs> caught off guard and someone asked me this and someone asked me we that. Didn't, and then sometimes
1: how- we'd say it to each other, right? Because we were like, I mean, at the end of the day, you're right. Like, I know that I love him so much and we have a great life that we would have had a brilliant life no matter what it would become the life we wanted to make it. We probably would have fostered or adopted anyways, because that was like our mission was to have a family somehow. But I really wanted to have the full experience of motherhood. And so part of it was messaging. And I think part of it was what we would say to each other to like, instead of having to say the other things, right? It's hard to be, at least I as a person don't like to sometimes be fully vulnerable or like spiral into my sadness. So I decided it was going to be like, whatever happens, happens. And that's what we're going to say. I love that.
0: So you get pregnant and they're monitoring you. And at a certain point they know it's not ectopic.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: were you able at that point to enjoy pregnancy or were you still sort of a bundle of nerves?
1: I mean, because I lost a pregnancy, I think about like right after the three month. it wasn't super, like I hadn't announced it to everybody. Cause I like pregnancy, never was going, this was the second time I lost pregnancy. The first time was so long ago when I was like young and I was like, Oh, you know, barely noticed. Mm-hmm. Right. So that goes out in the world. I feel like I'm like yeah. every this is like therapy. I, I'm like oh another story. I love um, it, <laughs> but it really is like I find, and I don't want to be like a downer, but once you go through all that journey, I wasn't sure what was real. And this is something that my friend Je- and your friend Jess and I talk about. Like I feel the the part I get most like ugh, not like bitter, but like the part that was the hardest part to let go of. I feel like I've let go of a lot of that, but like. I felt sort of robbed of that journey, like whatever Instagram and all the ex-bachelorettes give you on, like, I feel like there are all these glowing flower crown wearing bundles of pregnancy, which I never was also like pregnancy was not sexy for me. It was like acid reflex and morning sickness and trying to be like, but I'm so grateful. But I was right. like, but you're also sort of living in this sphere. Like I was consistently going in to have it monitored and checked. I think once I hit like seven months, I was like, okay, we're cooked. And we're ready. But it was a lot of like the thing. And then I got my baby short and all that stuff was great. And then it was fun. But the beginning parts were really like, I didn't do until we were really showing like, I couldn't fake it anymore. We didn't do a big pregnancy announcement. We didn't like to do a gender reveal, like things I'd fantasize about, but yeah. I was so afraid of it not working out. I didn't do.
0: Same, same. Most people on this show say the same. I was literally twins. So showing it like seven weeks hiding it, but I'd also done so much fertility drugs, but like I turned 40 the year that I was pregnant with my twins. Mm -hmm. So I like had this beautiful 40th birthday. So obviously everybody there knew I was pregnant, but nobody else knew. And every picture that people wanted to take with me, I was like, it needs to be really close up so that you can't tell that. And so there's all these pictures of me like holding a pillow under my chin and down. Oh you know? my God, that's great. Because I was terrified too. And like literally until they came out, I didn't believe they were fully going to make it here. So I- I was that. the
1: same. I feel, and I feel mad because I am known as like super optimistic and I was, but I was just like, you're not going to jinx this with all the joy. And now I feel really sad because I'm like, like same. we're a one and done pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way I'm riding that road again. And I was yeah. like, so now I'm like, man, if there's one thing in my life, I would have wished it would have been that like, gleeful tv package which maybe guess what it's not like that for most people but it looks so appealing and the reveals and the fun and the the silliness but um but look i got other things out of it so i'm happy but that was definitely like hard and it's a nice thing to when i talk to other women who have faced this to share like if we get it differently right but then i don't know i got a lot of other things on the way i became more brave i am not afraid of needles anymore I'm a very much better advocate for my own health and my mm. body because I knew something was up. And I am and even a better advocate for myself because I was avoiding, like, you know, you know, when something's not right with your body, the pain and the stuff I had with endometriosis, the sense that I wasn't getting pregnant for years, like I have now become someone who's not gonna wait on those things. But well, that you, was
0: my other question. Yeah. I'm shocked you never had any. Do you think you had no indication of endometriosis, or did you have it? But were those feelings kind of quelled? or shoved down because of medical attention or because of yourself? Like, were you just like, oh, I, I guess- think this it was is- a
1: combo. Like, yeah. I definitely think, and for anyone out there who's listening, who's like, oh, me too. Because like, I avoid, like when I was a kid, I had scoliosis, I had all these, like back surgeries, I had braces, I had all these things that were wrong with me, mm-hmm. wrong, whatever, like challenges, I should say, that I just didn't like doctors. And I also like, didn't have the best doctors. Now, like again, I mentioned Dr. Luke, who's like a champion. She made me feel like a superhero and loved and seen. But you don't get that, especially I feel like in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Like, I got my first birth control of Planned Parenthood. It was amazing, but it was like I didn't have a doctor I felt comfortable with. So, I think there was both my own, like, I don't want to know if something's wrong with me. What if it means I can't have a baby? What if it means there's something deeper? And then also, because I didn't advocate myself, the doctors who have like 20 minutes to see you don't advocate much for you right I wasn't getting the same kind of care and looked into and onto like my body that I wasn't a specialist but I also probably could have advocated much more and I would say to anyone listening also like when you know something's up you deserve it as an awesome woman to like honor your body to say I'm going to check this out whether it's for pregnancy or anything because I feel like all this stuff is scary but you're gonna have to cross the bridge somewhere like if I wanted a baby I was gonna have to get into Dr. Luke's office at some point and every appointment I had, she'd be like, is it going to take me like three more months to get you in here? Because you're so afraid to get you. Like the minute the syrups would start, I'd start freaking out, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, it's a lot. And let's give it to ourselves. Like, this isn't like we're having brunch and champagne Right. But, um, I wish I'd done it sooner because it was like a gift to myself. But again, it all worked out. It all worked and, out, yeah, right. I got well, and your daughter's so good.
0: lucky because she will reap the benefits of your advocacy for health care. So that's and she plus. will hear
1: I said to Alex, I said, she will hear the story when she tortures me with her teenage behavior. I'll be like, do you know what I to do for you? Did yeah, And mean, guess what?
0: He's not going to give a shit. Just like all of us. He's our kids not going to care. Just shit, like okay? my mom would. <laughs> yeah. My mom
1: talked about forceps because that was the yeah. thing that I'd be like, I had to fight for you. Um, but again, like then you just become a mom and it's like, oh, same old, same old. <laughs> exactly.
0: It's so funny, isn't it? Some people ask me, do you feel like you're more patient or less tired because you wanted them so badly? And I'm like, no. Okay, it, I'm a sleepless you night is still a sleepless
1: night. Because I have a girlfriend who's had a struggle, but she was like, and you know what? Forever I'm like, it's okay. Cause I'm like, are you crazy? Like, I'm still exhausted and enraged by this. Or like my motherhood still breaks me regularly. Yeah. I have forgotten the struggle. Now I'm like, oh, this is a struggle, just being a mom. But I think the the things to me I take away are like, A, this like shared bond. Just like when you become a parent, people like other moms and dads help you in ways that people who've like been at war do. But when you struggle with fertility, wherever you are in that space, there's a there's a member of press for success who's not having her own fertility things. And like, we just now connect in a way where like, we have a shared personal connection. And it's also something that turns you into a different version of yourself, more, at least for me, more empathetic, right? Mm -hmm. You discover a strength you had that you didn't realize you had. When you see someone else sharing their story, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I get her in a new way. So I decided to take those gifts with it, right? For sure. Okay,
0: so let's move into press for success briefly. I mean, not briefly, longly. Uh-huh. <laughs> so
1: tell me, how did you end up in press at all? And then we'll get into press for success. Well, I'm, so I, I was in Chicago as a high school teacher, which is strange. I never, again, things that I never predicted, not being able to get pregnant, being a high school teacher for a few years. But I told again, the story of my life, making everyone comfortable. So I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer because it sounds really good to my parents. Left college, was like, what am I going to do with this poli sign history degree beyond be a lawyer? So I was like, let me do it for law school and be a teacher. That also sounds good. And then found my way to New York City on a whim. I literally emailed my parents. like, I'm moving to New York with my friend, Michael. <laughs> like, what? I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to find myself there. I was one of those people. And moved to a crappy walk up in Brooklyn. And somebody was like, hey, there's an opening at Escada for a PR, like, account executive. That was like French to me. I was like, it's got a PR. I was a high school history teacher from Michigan or she grew up in Michigan was in Chicago. I was like, what is all this you speak of? He's like, just wear black. He's like, just nod your head and act like, you know, what's going on. Like, and you know, this was, I went to the library back that I got a book, Googled a little, um, ended up getting the job. They of course revealed they knew I had no idea what I was talking about. They're like, if you can pitch yourself in a meeting like that." In New York, like your third week there, knowing they're like, clearly you knew nothing. You're like, I love relationships. Huh. I love messaging the public. I was just like talking out of my head, you know, <laughs> whatever. But they were like, you're hired because you can really sell. And so that. that was my first PR job. And I had no idea what I was doing, but we were like, I was learning on the job and I literally <laughs> was learning what it looked like. The whole vibe in New York PR was not for me because it was just, so i moved from there to an agency and it was a ce- like in a celebrity-driven agency. So as the youngest, they gave me, they're like, we're going to give you something called mompreneurs. It's new. Because it's like 15, 16 years ago. They're like, this is what you're going to do. Because no one wanted them. And they're like, here are these, these ladies, take them. And I was like, what? This is wild. Like women run their own businesses and they're making money and they're starting in their garages and they're becoming like, I was like mind blown. I thought they were celebrities. So in that work, where they were all hustling their celebrities. I, with again in my 20s, very little to do with myself besides work, started getting all these mom entrepreneurs like in Oprah magazine, in entrepreneur in success. Like I'm on the Donnie Deutsch show, and that was a thing. It looked like you're right. Like, you know, CNBC was like the first entrepreneurial show. I was like, bam, 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 making calls. I was so naive. I didn't know what else to do besides, I thought that's what we did. Like, they were like, these are nobodies. So I was like, well, I'm really good at this. I understand the power of press for business owners. And that was it. So I left after when I say I left, I had a like Jerry Maguire. moment. I'm like, who's with me? No one was with me. They're like, you're out. You're out of here, girl. <laughs> and I just started my own business in my Brooklyn. I stayed in my bathroom because I would take calls in the bathroom because the guy I was dating was a DJ. So he'd be like on his decks in the living room. I'm in the bathroom, like trying to run a business. And that was when my business was bored. And like, I never wow. looked back. It was wild. We did. And then a year later, I had offices in Chelsea. Like, I just knew this was my thing. And later, of course, it it became the thing that sort of sustained me through my fertility stress. But it be- so I ran an agency. And then, when I was pregnant with Juliet, I knew that, like at that point, I'd been an agency for like ten plus years. We had office in Dumbo. I was growing, but I'm like, this is brutal work. I don't want to do it anymore. I want to be a mom. But also, I had heard this, like, Farnoush Tarabi episode of So Money when she was like, when women, if they don't keep working through pregnancy, they lose, like you just lose this momentum mm-hmm. and foothold in your industry. So I was like, you must keep working. What will you do? And I'd always um, been doing some kind of PR training, community building, teaching for years. So I thought, but with other people. So I thought, why don't I do something on my own? I said, Alex, we need a name for a class I'm going to teach. He named it Press for Success. So good. Um, He's so good. He's a newspaper guy. He's like, I got it. And it started literally like me teaching and coffee shops and other people's offices. And from there, um, it was one class that was taken by thousands, became a membership community. And it brought me into today. Like my mission with that is just to take everything I learned as a PR agency owner and everything that our team of other people has learned in media and make it possible for small biz owners to get their own press. And that is exactly what you do. Yeah. And it's like condensed it all down to a website. And it allows me like when, when the pandemic hit and press for success was already going to that point, but we were able to come here from New York to Maine, where I am now, where we thought we'd be for three weeks and we never left and Mm -hmm. run it from here. Right. When my husband decided to leave media, he now works for me Mm -hmm. and press for success. So, and with Juliet, I'm able to, as much as I can, like, be present and hang out. Like we, I think we all sell ourselves a lot. Like I'm going to run my own business and then I will be with my kids 24 seven. And that's be yeah. no. not possible. Right, of course. But it gives you flexibility.
0: Do you solely work now on Press for Success and teaching or do you pitch anything else elsewhere as well? I do both. So we you have both.
1: like, we have the Press for Success membership community and classes and things like that. And then on the back, I'm like a sort of, we call it internally, we call it the agency. And we have private clients on the back end that we work with. Some who we like NDA and do PR work with them secretly. So they look like stars and it's magic. <laughs> and some that who publicly we all, we work, but we do like accelerated pushes for female founders so to get them out there in the news. So we do that on the back end for a few people, but most of my work is now in the membership community, which is like one of my favorite things. Because That's when someone laugh. can learn how to get themselves press or... Make that push. It changes everything. I feel like that's it reminds me. So you know, I said I taught high school when I was teaching high school, I was in the Robert Taylor homes in Chicago. It was a mess. But I knew that, like with teaching them, it would give them things that like they could change their life with. And now at press for Success, I have those same feels all the time of like when you can give somebody the tools, it changes everything for their business. so,
0: well, that makes so much sense why your education platform within Press mm-hmm. for Success is so fantastic. Amazing. So do you notice in terms of your press asks and what's sort of popular right now? Like, I think it's changed so much. Social media, the state of the world. How do you flow with that? that we
1: were, it is. I mean, we were just talking to somebody on the phone because I had someone who worked privately with. She's like. You know, why am I not on the news all the time right now? I'm like, have you seen the news? Like, we are all, and I mean, if it's not like there's, I mean, we know like there's so much to unpack, but there's like so much. I mean, there's like this massive spike in anti Semitism. There's an election coming up that is like gone wild. It's like candidates gone wild already. There's so much going on. Social media is taking up people's attention. So, but to me, there will always be a need for really good storytelling in the media. There will always be a need for expert advice from really unique, interesting leaders. So I know that's never going away. So we sort of ride the waves with it. And I know that sometimes the world will get wild and we can do a couple of things. We can also say, well, the world is wild, but how can I add to this conversation, right? How can I talk about fertility as it like intersects with the election? How can I, I have an image consultant who's talking about what the candidates wear and what that says about their personality. So I Mm. feel like you can either join them or you can know that despite all of this, there will still be new, like good news stories needed. Um, since the pandemic, the desire for stories about entrepreneurs and local small businesses and all that has exploded. So there's, to me, there's always something there which keeps me hopeful. And I swear not to always bring it back to fertility, but like when you do something hard, you're like, okay, anything's possible, number one. And also losing my cool produces nothing. Like I refu- I have a mantra now since those days, like my dad was like, don't get overwhelmed. You can get like whelmed. And when you get whelmed, you check in with someone and say, I need you to help me before I get overwhelmed. So, even in our business, if I'm feeling like, ah, oh, what is going on? I do a little check in with somebody. But in terms of the press, I'm either like, we join it when we can, or we know, even with people being consumed with social and other things, there's still, there's always stories. Even now, we're recording this the day before Thanksgiving. And, um, and everyone's like, oh, I guess that's it for the season. And we had produce- producers calling us up today, like, hey, Need some stories for first week of December, or if you got anyone who can talk about holiday shopping, there's always something. Mm-hmm. We just have to, and to me, the answer is always then just be consistent. Create a create something that you're doing through the press that every month you're showing up, so they know who you are, no matter what is happening around you. But like all, like like every business, we're all sort of fighting for people's attention now, and the world is pretty intense,
0: right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and to that end. Just talk briefly about how important it is to use your own personal story for media, like to bring it back to fertility, because I think you do that so yeah. well in teaching. So why, like, w- what are your tips for people on how to bring their own personal stories into their PR?
1: I mean, especially if, and like, whether it's fertility or anything like personal connection is all, is all that context. I even think about, like, again, we talked about, and I'll just throw her name out there again. So Jessica Abo, who's an amazing journalist beyond being like a good friend to us and I pitched Jess for years. Like she is a, like always doing entrepreneur and Forbes and this stuff. And I was probably just one more person in her inbox. We'd know each other casually from New York, but at some point during the pandemic, when we all lived on Clubhouse, right? You know how Clubhouse became like the thing. Yeah. And you (laughs) would spend hours on it sometimes and you'd start saying anything because you're on the phone and it feels like high school again. And somehow Jess and I connected over talking about fertility and trying to get pregnant, all these challenges. And that was, and that opened up like this new space of her understanding parts of my journey and my business and my mission and myself in a new way. Um, and other parts of my personal story that I've shared. And I think that's the thing. Number one personal story connects you to the media, to other people, to people you're trying to build a relationship with. In ways that nothing else will. And again, whether you're sharing that personal story on Instagram and in your newsletter or wherever, like people need to find you in different platforms. To me, just a quick biz note, like for anyone in that space, there's a wheel that I believe has to be churning. And that wheel looks like a wheel that has publicity, community, and content all rotating around in a circle. And to do that, like you've got to be sharing your story in all those places. And the first thing I love is like, the more I let people know who I am and talk about that in bits and pieces. And even people like you, like we connect, we're like, oh, let's do this podcast. So that's important. But then the next layer is when you're trying to be a founder, an expert, an author or anything and stand out so people choose you, they need to have more than like, I'm a jewelry designer or like, I'm a yoga teacher. So, so is like half my city, right? So like, what will I connect with? So you need more. You need a little bit that's going to connect them to you. You need a little bit more story. You need something that says, oh, she will understand me or I understand her. That only comes from story. It's not just your cred- credentials or like your MBA or your doctor. It's like, but why? Like, why are you doing this? What led you to this? What's the story behind it? And I feel like that is what even gets an audience excited. I shot a segment yesterday And one of the products I showed, it was all these small business products from female founders, which was so exciting. And when they got really into, A, it was beautiful, but also I was saying to them, and you know, she's a 23-year-old art school dropout. She does this, this. And like, as her story started coming out, they were so into everything so much more. So again, we think, and you you don't want to give them too much, just like in a first date, but you want to show the pieces of your story that led you to be where you are now, right? Like what parts of your story have led you to be the author, the expert, the business owner that you are today? Like, what were those moments? Share those moments. Was there like like the hero's journey? Was there a transformation? Was there a switch in your life? Was there a pivotal moment? And the other thing I want to say is, remember, story doesn't have to be like this huge, like, I saved all these penguins from a burning zoo. And it was in that moment, (laughs) I was like, I must create shoes that run in water, right? Like, it could also be like, I'm a former teacher and I'm like, how is everyone gatekeeping small businesses and entrepreneurs out of getting their own press? That's bananas. And I'm going to take the same training I use in education. And I'm going to create education for small business owners. But there's a reason. It's not like, hi, I'm a PR strategist. It's like, I'm a PR strategist who comes from an education background, DIYed herself into a PR career in New York City, in a year had an office and two years had three office. Like, I can tell you a story that's why I'm teaching you, Right. And that's different than I'm a PR strategist. So I'd say that like for anyone, it's like, give them more than I am your job description.
0: Mm, I love that. So usually we end with a mantra or phrase, but I kind of love the one that your dad said, which is like, you can be whelmed, but don't be
1: overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, oh, can I give you one for my mom? As yes. Well? Give me another one. <laughs> my parents are clearly like still right here, but yeah. um, I mean, now they live eight minutes away from me and go figure, Aww. but So my mom also always says, which I think can apply to so much, if you can draw a small circle, you can draw a big circle. So whatever you can accomplish, like in a way that feels easy enough for you, you can keep doing that with your skill set, with anything. And I always feel like that's really empowering, but the whelmed as well, right? Both of those can guide us.
0: Well, good. And they clearly guide you. Thank you so Mm -hmm. much for this. I feel like we could go on and on, but I adore you. Welcome, And And thanks for letting me share that letting you. Thanks for sharing it. I feel like I got you to open up all kinds of secret secret <laughs> tidbits there. Yeah, same here. Um, and anyone who's looking for press in their business, we will, of course, link out to Press for Success. But it is the bomb, the best. We love it. And um, thank you for being here. Thank you. Bye, guys. So many tips and tricks from Sabina. And there were just so many nuggets that Sabina gave in terms of what to do for yourself and storytelling and why... Your story is so important, which we talk about all the time and which is why we have this podcast. Please remember to rate, review, follow, share. And I love you. I hope you're enjoying this holiday season. I hope that if you want your table to look differently next year, that next Thanksgiving is a little easier for you if this one was painful. I'll see you next week.